0: So so, so. Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your host is Pat Rulo. We bring you hand-selected hosts, podcasts, and talk radio programming with listening options, 24-7 streaming or listen on demand. We also feature one-on-one segments with important guests. People who have something to say that you need to hear. And if you would like to be featured on this network. Please visit speakuptalkradio.com for all of the details or contact us at pr at speakuptalkradio.com. Recently, I have had the pleasure of adding another podcast to the lineup at Speak Up Talk Radio. It's called Tapping Q&A Podcast, and I have always been interested to learn more about EFT, tapping, emotional freedom techniques and today is the day because right now i have the host of the program with me he is gene montrastelli born in casper wyoming and a graduate from the catholic university of america gene found his way to tapping when he was looking for something to help with his social anxiety he has studied hypnotism nlp guided imagery parts work and meridian-based tapping protocols including eft Gene works with clients from all over the world, one-on-one, over the phone, and Skype in a number of areas, including, but not limited to, stress, smoking, limiting beliefs, anxiety, learning disabilities, pain management, and relationship issues. So to put it simply, Gene helps clients get out of their way to help achieve their goals. And he is here today to share tapping. So let's get started. Welcome to the network, Gene. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate having you. I have always been interested in this, but just never stopped to take the time to really delve deeply into it. So I'm really, really excited for today. But before we dig in, I I read on your website something quite unusual. So I have to ask you about it. You say that besides graduating at the top of your class, you also graduated at the bottom. I thought, wow, this is an interesting person. How'd you manage to do that?
1: Well, when I uh, I was a computer science major, and my freshman year, there were 11 people in the program. Um, At the end of the freshman year, one of my friends, Chad, transferred to another school so he could be close to home. And the other nine people dropped out of the program because it was too hard. So uh, I spent the next three years being the only person in my major in my grade which meant I received a great deal of attention, and like you said, I was the top of the class and the bottom of the class simultaneously, because I was the class.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's a great story, isn't it?
1: It really served me well. Like I said, I, I just got so much personal attention that it really allowed me to, to craft an education that was personalized, and I wouldn't have done it another way.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, wh- what kind of a student-teacher ratio is that? You've never heard of such a thing, so that's awesome. Well, now, you said that you had personal reasons that caused you to seek some kind of a solution and that's when you discovered tapping. So what is tapping and then how did it help you?
1: Absolutely. Um uh, tapping is a it's a technology that uses the meridian system. And so I best the easiest way to explain it to people who don't have experience with it is it's kind of like acupuncture. But instead of using needles, you're just tapping on the points that acupuncture needles would go into. And since you are tapping on those points, it is something that's very easy to self-apply. And so it takes this amazing system in the body that allows us to do transformation, and it gives people access to use that to create transformation right at their fingertips wherever they are.
0: Okay. So what kind of things does tapping work for?
1: So the types of things that tapping fall into typically fall into two categories. One is for physical issues and one is for emotional issues. When it comes to physical issues, tapping is very, very effective for pain management um, as well as very effective for kind of helping the body speed the healing process. It doesn't provide healing itself. The body is always doing that, but it's helping remove blocks that are slowing the healing process down. Um, I personally have seen it be very, very effective when I've had scrapes and cuts and burns, that and warts. it speeds the process that the body is going through. When it comes to emotional issues, for me, the way I would describe it is tapping is a very effective tool for allowing us to have well-informed, proportionate emotions. So it's not something that is making us emotionless. Emotions are good and useful. If you have a loved one who dies, it is appropriate that you are sad by that. If you're in a circumstance where 3 times a week you are going to the gravesite, you're laying roses, you're crying for 45 minutes and this extends for 10 years, then we've probably gotten to the place where that is a disproportionate response. It makes sense that when I get cut off on the highway that I get angry because the anger is a rush of energy that's helping me focus so I get out of it safely. If I spend 45 minutes following the person around and then scream at them when they get to their house, that's a disproportionate response. I'm misinformed. It is great that I am afraid of tigers. If I don't leave my apartment in Brooklyn because there is a tiger at the Bronx Zoo, then that's something that is gotten too big, if I see a mouse run across the floor and I jump on the table and I scream like a five-year-old, it's it's misinformed because I'm not actually in any sort of danger. Mm-hmm. So what the tapping tool set allows us to do is it allows us to take those natural emotional responses, but gets them into a place where they're well-informed and they're proportionate, which allows us to navigate the day in a healthier way.
0: I love that. I wrote that down. Well-informed proportional emotions. Is that what you said? Yeah. I
1: mean, that, that's basically the goal of the work that I do mm-hmm. is to get people in a place where we're doing that. And if that's the case, then at the end of the day, when you look back at the choices that you've made today, you're going to be happy not only with the choices that you made, but the steps that you made moving forward.
0: Right, right, right. So now the tapping, it's not just tapping on these meridian points. And I, would, I want you to walk us through that in a minute, but there's got to be some sort of self-talk or mantra or something that goes along with that. Well, basically what needs to happen is we need to be bringing our attention
1: to the issue that we want transformation for, and that can happen lots of ways. I mean, sometimes it's going to be about saying phrases, and sometimes it's just going to be tuning in. So let's let's pretend that I was going to be tapping on a pain in my knee. It's possible for me to be in a circumstance where I'm saying, I have this pain in my knee and it really hurts, and as I'm saying those words that is bringing attention to my knee while I'm tapping. At the exact same time, I could be going this pain in my knee, this pain in my knee, this pain in my knee, and really I'm thinking about the laundry that needs to be done and the bills that I need to pay later this afternoon and cleaning up the kitchen. And so just because I'm using words does not mean it is guiding me to be attentive to what is going on, but using words can be really effective in helping us to do that. So it's Really for me, I kind of think of this little math problem, it's tune in plus stimulating burning points equals relief. And the way that we tune in can be a whole host of ways. And in this case, the way that we're stimulating is by providing tapping. There are other ways that that could happen. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, when you think of these words, or you're thinking of this in your head or saying it out loud, you said, my knee hurts, or there's pain in my Mm -hmm. knee, is it better to be put in a positive frame, like my knee is healing? So
1: the really interesting thing about the critical voice that we have is if we have a negative emotion about something, the critical voice is going to speak it up. So let's pretend that I'm really frustrated with the fact that I'm overweight and I feel disempowered that I'm not actually going to lose the weight. So my emotional state is I have failed before I'm going to fail again. So if I say I failed before and I'm going to fail again, emotionally, I can just feel my body sink into that. Or if I say this time is going to be different, I'm going to lose weight, the critical voice of it disagrees with that instantly is going to say, no, you're not you failed before, you're going to fail again. And so if there is something that is negative there, then the critical voice is going to present it. So I find using both positive and negative phrases is useful in helping us to tune in, but it's not a requirement to do one or the other because we're working... For me, it's not as much an issue of installing something that is positive. Instead, it's a process of erasing away the things that are unuseful to us. Mm. So for, for example, um, I deal with a lot of clients, I work with a lot of small business owners who are doing transformational-type work. And because of the nature of the work that they're doing being of a healing nature, oftentimes they grew up in families where it was a much more, you need to go to college, get a traditional job so you are safe. And I can appreciate where that comes from. But it's really easy for someone to believe that the gifts that they have aren't valuable because they're not these traditional gifts. And so there is a natural instinct and and disposition for us to want to use and share our giftedness. It, it's kind of this calling that's inside of us. So when we're tapping, we're not tapping to, "I believe in my gifts," but instead, Somewhere along the way, in their family system, they picked up this belief that these healing gifts that I have, these transformational gifts that I have, aren't valuable. Real value is in the traditional work world. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing in the work is we're taking that belief that was given to us that is no longer useful, and we're just erasing that away. And by removing that belief, our natural instinct and disposition is going to draw us towards using our giftedness. So... For years, I actually, as a reminder, I carried a big pink racer around in my pocket to recognize that what my work was about was letting go of the beliefs that I've picked up that no longer serve me. Mm. And in doing that, my natural disposition is going to take me towards the beliefs that do serve me in this moment. Yeah. And, and, what it, what, and by doing that, what it also did is it also really simplified my work. Because it's no longer this issue about finding the right thing that I'm trying to install, and there are a million beliefs in the universe that I could be installing. Instead, it's, let me find the beliefs that are no longer useful. And you'll notice that I'm very particular about that phrase, a belief that is no longer useful. Because we can objectively look at a belief and say that it's bad, but in certain circumstances, it was the belief that kept us safe and got us through a really hard time. It might not have been the healthiest way to get through it, but it might have been the only thing that we could reach for in that moment to help us to survive. You know, there are people who grew up in households that were very, very chaotic, and the safest thing for them to do was to have their head down and not be noticed. And in the world, that's not a great way to live, but At that point in their life where they were small and didn't have standing and didn't have opportunity it was the best possible choice and so they believed, I need to keep my head down that belief is no longer useful as an adult as someone who has opportunity in the world so it's about letting go of the belief that is no longer useful it also allows us to prevent having judgment for picking up those beliefs in the past because it's really easy with my vision of today and insight into the world To look into my past and go, oh my gosh, I was so dumb that I believed that and acted that way. But that's because I'm judging my past with information I have now that I didn't have then and so it's, again, letting go of what was, what is no longer useful, which helps us to step into who we are and what we want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Understood. So with tapping, there's a lot of introspection that needs to take place, but people always want to feel like they're doing something. You know, that's why people mm-hmm. go and work out. So the tapping kind of gives you the physicalness of it, if that's a word, um, a f- kind of a physical way to combine that with looking in at the same time.
1: It does, and what it also does is it also speeds the process because if it was simply a matter of intellectually recognizing a pattern was unuseful, then transformation work would be really easy. Mm -hmm. You know, there there are a myriad of bad habits that I have in my life that I know are bad habits. I know they're bad choices. There are even times when I'm making that bad choice that I know it is a bad choice the intellectual insight into recognizing it is an unuseful pattern is not enough. Right. And so we can't think our way out of this, or we would already have changed. And so it's more than just, it's a physical thing that helps me do something by entering in through the body, we're actually creating transformation in the subconscious mind that we can't do by just thinking our way into that chain.
0: Right, right. So let's talk about physically what we do when we tap. Maybe take us through that process. What are we tapping? Where are we tapping? For how long are we tapping? Yeah,
1: so so, so the tapping points themselves, I'll, I'll give a brief explanation. I'm sure at some point we'll be able to send people to a resource where you can see a picture where it's a little bit easier. Um, The basic tapping points are, and when we tap, we're tapping with two or three fingertips. We're tapping as hard as tapping on someone's shoulder to get their attention. And anytime I'm giving this instruction, I tell people, always, always, always take 100% responsibility for your physical body. If something is painful, don't do it. Just because I'm saying, this is the way we get relief. If you're doing it and it's causing discomfort, stop, stop, stop. Make sure you're making really good choices. So the tapping points that I normally use, um, because again, we're using this Meridian system that has over 250 tapping points. We just use a really small subset of that. Uh, The first one is the tippy top of the head. And it's exactly that. The last time you went into the doctor and they measured your height and the little measuring thing hit the top of your head, that's the tippy top of the head. Um, Your brain is under there. Be careful when you're tapping there. The second tapping point is the inside of the eyebrow. So it's basically following your eyebrow all the way to the bridge of your nose without falling down on the bridge of the nose. The third tapping point is the side of the eye. And basically, if you were wearing glasses and you followed your glasses from your ear to the eye, it's right on the edge of the eye socket. Again, if your vision is blurring and you're seeing spots, you're tapping in the wrong spot. So it's just right gentle there. The fourth spot is under the eye, which is directly below the pupil on your cheekbone. You have a sinus cavity under there because of a history of sinus infections. I know that spot's particularly sensitive, so be careful. Under the nose is directly below the nose and above the upper lip. Chin is not your chin bone, but it's between the point of your chin and your lower lip. It's kind of above that ridge. With the collarbone, there's a spot that's underneath the collarbone. I typically just take a flat hand and just tap on the top of my chest because I get the spot because there's no penalty for not. And then the last spot that I use is under the arm. Um, it's under your armpit. If you are wearing a bra, it's about bra height. If you poke around in there, there's a tender spot. And that's a- enough points for you to get started. And so basically when you're working on something, you would just tap, five to seven times on a point, and then you move on to the next one, five to seven times, you move on to the next one.
0: Okay, so as you're tapping, then you're thinking about the area of pain or you're thinking about the emotional thought that you want to change as you're doing this?
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, So for physical pain, basically what I do is I imagine I am describing the physical pain to someone else. So let's pretend it's my knee. It's kind of like, I have this pain in my knee, and it feels sharp it's behind my knee it's behind my kneecap if i were to paint it a color it would feel like it was red it feels hot It extends down the back of my calf. And so basically, I'm just describing it in as much detail. Now, all of those things that I said in description weren't diagnostic. It's not like because I would paint it red, it means something. It's just getting me to tune into it. If I was dealing with something that's emotional, I would just pretend that I'm sitting across the coffee table with a friend and I'm giving them the details and I'm describing the emotional charge. You know, I'm really frustrated by the fact my sister isn't listening to me, and she disregards everything that I say, and when she disregards what I say, I feel unimportant, and because I feel unimportant, I feel unheard. I want to have a deep connection with her, but I can't because she's not listening. So I'm basically just describing my experience and how I feel as if I was doing that to a friend.
0: And for folks listening, there's just so much more at your website. It's tappingqna.com. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. Um, at, at this point, in, in
1: just in, there's, there's over 750 re- free resources on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, 310 of them are podcasts, and about 100 of them are what I call tap-alongs. So it's not instruction. It's not me interviewing an expert, but it's literally me leading you through how to tap for an issue. So if there is something in one of those lists like for physical pain or weight loss or self esteem basically what you do is you're able to hit play you just move from tapping point to tapping point and you just repeat after me i say a phrase in the recording you get a chance to repeat it back i say a phrase you repeat it back
0: there's just a wealth of information at your site so i wanted to stop right here and make folks aware that uh, we obviously can't cover everything today but you surely do at your website which is tapping q and a stands for question and answer.com. Let's say we've got a physical pain and we're doing this tapping. What should our expectations be as far as relief?
1: Absolutely. I think, I think one of the things that has happened around tapping people, there are, there are absolutely amazing stories and there's absolutely amazing transformation. And I think that there are a number of people who use tapping oversell those transformations because they're trying to convince other people that this is such an amazing thing that they're creating unrealistic expectations. And I can remember a time in which I fell victim to this. I was very early on in knowing this tool set. I was in Costa Rica. I was sitting in a coffee shop and I was just enjoying a nice cup of Costa Rican coffee and reading a book. And four other Americans came into the coffee shop. And so I was just chatting with them. And they had just been zip lining. And one of the guys was mentioning that he had some stiffness in his back from zip lining. And so I said, oh my gosh. I just learned this most amazing thing. You need to give this thing a try. And so I said, zero to 10, how much pain is in your back? And he said, it's a six. And so we did a couple of rounds of tapping. And what I was expecting was he was going to be just 100% pain-free when we were done. And so I said, so zero to 10, how big is it? And he said, what's a four? And in my head, I'm like, oh, I failed. This is horrible. And his friends went, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. because. In three minutes, he had a 33% reduction in the amount of pain that he was experiencing. And that was really, really amazing. I had skewed expectations. Um, My buddy, Dan Cleary, who is a hypnotist and he does pain management, he talks about the 10% solution. And I think a 10% solution is something that is reasonable when we're looking at this relief. Mm -hmm. And so when someone comes to Dan for pain management, they're like, um... He'll say, how would you feel if 90 minutes from now you're going to be pain-free? And they're like, that's great. And he's like, forget it. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. He said, now describe your life to me if half the pain went away. And so they go through and they describe what happened. He goes, great. Now describe your life to me if 25% of the pain went away. And they described how their life would be different. Now describe your life if 10% of the pain went away. Now for someone who has back issues, maybe a 10% reduction in pain means they can now sit for two hours, which means they can take a loved one to a meal or they can take their grandchildren to a movie. Like that's a major life improvement. And he's like, awesome, we can do that today. And so the first thing that we need to recognize when we're looking at transformation is to see it's not an all or nothing proposition and to recognize even when... Some transformation happens, we're going to be in a circumstance where the quality of our life improves. And so that's what I'm always focusing on with my clients. It's not the reduction of the symptom, but the improvement in the quality of your life. Now, in some cases, that is going to come with the reduction of the symptom. It's, there's a direct correlation. Pain goes down, quality of life goes up. Now, for something like being afraid to do something, you know, for the longest time, I was afraid of making sales calls because I felt pushy and I felt salesy. Now, when I first started tapping, I could eliminate that fear for about 15 minutes at a time. Well, in that 15 minute window, I was able to make a sales conversation. I was able to make a connection. Now, 15 minutes later, the phone is hung up, fear comes rushing back. That's okay, because I actually took the action that I wanted to take. And so the quality of my life improved because I had the opportunity to make this connection. And so it's going to depend on what you're doing. And that's a very unsatisfactory answer. But, you know, there's a difference between me having pain in my shoulder because I'm feeling stress. I feel less stress. That pain goes away. And me having a torn rotator cuff, you know, I, I am open to the possibility that a round of tapping is going to heal a torn rotator cuff. But I also recognize that that's not the way to deal with a torn rotator cuff. You know, if I have a cut on my thumb, I don't start tapping, I reach for a paper towel and I apply pressure first. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing that each issue is going to be a little bit different, therefore what success looks like is also going to be variable.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And so we should probably right now inject our disclaimer that this is not to replace traditional medicine or healthcare or what your doctor prescribes. Okay.
1: Never, 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 right. never, never. Right. So this is an amazing tool that is helpful, and there, you know, I, you know, I, I love the fact that oftentimes protocols like this are referred to as complementary care.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's
1: one more thing that we can add to this array of things that are amazing. Right. Because as frustrating as we can be with the way the modern medical system looks, there are many things that I have encountered in my life that if I would have encountered them 75 years ago, they would have killed me.
0: Um, so now as we're talking about this, as far as what would our expectation be as far as relief or change, then how long would or could we expect that the results would last? And again, it depends on the issue. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, there, there are things in which we get short-term relief. For example, okay, one of one of my favorite things to tap on is overwhelm. Um, Because when I feel overwhelmed, basically what's happening is I look at everything that is on my to-do list that needs to get done today, and I'm emotionally responding to it as if I have to do it all right now. Therefore, I feel overwhelmed. Overwhelm is I feel like there's too much for me to do in this moment. So when I am feeling overwhelmed, all I need to do is reduce the overwhelm long enough to start the next thing on my to-do list because when I am head down into a task, I'm not feeling overwhelmed because I'm being productive. And so when I'm really overwhelmed, I get relief long enough to start the next task, I finish the task, I go back to my to-do list, it's possible for me to feel overwhelmed again. So in that circumstance, the relief was 35 seconds, but in that relief being 35 seconds, I was then in a circumstance that that's all I needed to take action. What originally, like you mentioned at the top of the show, what originally brought me to tapping was dealing with my social anxiety. Um, I was in a circumstance where I could stand on stage in front of 8,000 people. It was as easy as breathing, and I would get to the airport and had a hard time talking to the airport staff as I was checking in. Oh, my. Because it was, stage was easy, I was control, personal interaction, Mm -hmm. scary hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked regularly on that social anxiety for about six weeks, and that was a decade ago. And that is not something that shows up and impacts my life today. So I was in a circumstance by transforming that belief system around personal interaction being unsafe, and I was going to be judged after doing good comprehensive work that, again, happened over the course of six weeks, I haven't had that issue set.
0: Wow. That's a great story. Very empowering. Very empowering. If we try this, do we have to come at it or to it with a positive attitude or could we think, mm, maybe not going to work? What do you think about so that? It, it, is a, it is a mechanical process.
1: As long as you are entering into the process and doing it well, then you have the opportunity for success. Belief doesn't matter. Now, If I go, oh, this pain in my knee, this pain in my knee, and I'm just mouthing words along and I'm not giving any attention, it's not because of my lack of belief that I'm not having progress. It's because I'm not doing the protocol right. Right. If you are actually doing the, this is so funny. One of my favorite things to tap on in the world is people believing that tapping doesn't work. And for whatever reason, they, they're not going to trust tapping on their issue because their issue is big and personal, but they're willing to trust tapping on whether or not tapping will work. And they're not willing to tap for the issue, but they'll create enough space to authentically enter into it to tap on their skepticism. Once we clear their skepticism, then we're able to tap on the issue. And again, all we're doing is we're not making them believe in tapping. We're simply making their disbelief reduce enough so they're willing to try.
0: Interesting. Wow. So much to know and so many questions I have. Here's one for you. I was thinking of this the other day. I I have 11 rescue cats, but I have one, actually I have two, um, but one in particular that has this nasopharyngeal polyp that we had removed and it seems like it's coming back. And I was wondering about the idea of tapping for her, either on her or could I do that Uh, myself with a thought toward her? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So, so, So two of the most downloaded episodes, um, in the podcast archives are interviews with my friend, um, Suzanne Peach, who lives in Boulder, Colorado, and she has a tapping practice that is exclusively focused on animals. That is the sum total of her work. Um, and so just for people who it's wacky, it feels unbelievable that I could circling tap on my body for my animals let's pretend for a moment that me tapping on my body for my cat does absolutely nothing for my animal. Let's assume that's the case because that seems like a reasonable response. At worst, I'm going to spend seven minutes tapping on myself, thinking really loving thoughts about my animal. And I think that's a great thing and only good can come from that. So at a baseline that is the best, that is the worst that we're going to get, me thinking loving thoughts about my animal. Now, the next level up, I am sure because you love your animals and how integral they are into your life, there is some anxiety that you feel because your animal is going through a health issue. So that means when you approach that particular animal or any of the animals that you're showing up with a little anxiety, and we know The animals that we're close to, how sensitive they are to our emotional state. So if you take seven minutes, you're thinking things about the animal, you're tapping on it, what you're doing is you're taking your fear about their health, and now it's much more proportional, which probably means you're showing up with less anxiety. So now, when you interact with the animals, you're bringing less anxiety, which immediately means the quality of their life improves just a little bit because they're not responding to their people and their people's emotional needs because their animals do that. Mm -hmm. So now, one step up, we're in a circumstance, quality of life for the animal is better. I can say I've seen lots of experiences where there has been transformation for animals when people are surrogately tapping on themselves. All of the work that I do with autism, I'm teaching parents how to surrogately tap for their children, and there is physical and emotional transformation in their children. Tapping for our animals is no different.
0: Wow, that's very, very interesting. Could you actually tap, do the tapping on those meridian points on the animal if they allowed you to?
1: Certainly, totally, and if you're looking where to find them, if you have dogs, cats, and horses, You can search online, and you will find acupuncture charts for dogs, cats, and horses. If you have a quadruped of some sort that isn't one of those four, the spots are going to be basically in the exact same spot. Um, I have a friend of mine who is an acupuncturist who works with animals, and he was working with the National Park Service, and they had this really sick bear, and he ended up doing acupuncture on this bear and basically was using the same spots he would have been using if it was a cat because the structure of the body is very, very similar. Mm -hmm. So you can actually just look on those charts. And the the points that I described, most of them, Mm -hmm. particularly the points on the head and the collar, Mm -hmm. you can find those on your animals pretty easily.
0: Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. I was very interested to learn about this and see if there was something I can do to help. Yeah. Yes. Well, now, you talked about autism, and you say on your website that you do have a very special place in your practice that is dedicated to parents of special needs children, especially for parents of children who have been diagnosed with autistic spectral disorder. Maybe just talk briefly about that.
1: The worm spot comes in a couple of ways. Uh, my, my initial interaction with children diagnosed on the spectrum was um, a high school friend of mine um, actually two high school friends of mine who ended up marrying each other, uh, their oldest son was diagnosed on the spectrum. And um, Sandy Radonsky has done some really interesting work around substance sensitivities and the, the, the spectrum. And so I had read her research, and so I called John up and I said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if this works. I don't know how valid this is. This is the research we could try. I mean, are you open to something? Um, And we had a really amazing amount of success, and it's a long story that I don't have time to get into here, but it was transformative. And honestly, it is the most profound change that I have seen in a child of all of the kids I've had a chance to work with. And so I'm sometimes hesitant to tell the story because I don't want to create unrealistic expectations, Mm -hmm. but it was amazing. And so after that, I went, huh, this is really interesting. So I started doing research, and one week, I dedicated 21 hours to research research, I spent seven hours, three days in a row, just researching. And the thing that I was looking for in particular was tools and resources for parents of special needs children to take care of themselves. And this was about eight years ago. And after 21 hours of research, I found exactly zero things that every single thing I found was about caring for the children, which I understand 100%. As a parent, I can only imagine what it is like to have a child who is facing something that is a bigger obstacle than any of the kids around them, and how you would throw every ounce of energy and love and attention into the child to bring them help. What gets missed in that is that if the parent is not taking care of themselves, then they're not in a circumstance where they're properly equipped to take care of the kids. Um, again, you know, kids are super, super sensitive to the emotions around them. And so if mom or dad are really overwhelmed because we're struggling with this thing at home, the kids are going to amplify that back. And kids on the spectrum, if they don't have words, oftentimes act out really emotionally because they can't articulate their needs. And so when mom and dad are stressed, it sets all the kids off. And so initially, I just wanted to be in a circumstance to equip parents to better take care of themselves, which, again, immediately would improve the quality of life of everybody in the household, because when the parents are happier and healthier, it ripples through the kids in a really natural, healthy way. Mm -hmm. So that's where it started. The second thing that I encountered was... We 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 still we know much more than even when I started looking at this eight years ago about kids who are on the spectrum and why they're there, but even when you look at some of the really well-established protocols to work with kids, it only works a percentage of the time, and even if that's two-thirds of the time, that means a third of the parents are walking away frustrated, and they get the opportunity to have hopes and have them dashed over and over again, And there's just an emotional fatigue of that, of having one more promise that's broken. And so my heart aches for people who are in that circumstance, to have something in front of them that is complicated, to have someone standing next to them who has experienced the same problem, and to have something work for them that doesn't work for me, my family, and my children. And so it just having an opportunity to serve that community in any way is meaningful to me because I I recognize that struggle that's laid on top of this really hard thing that is happening in their family.
0: Yes, yes. Care for the caregiver, and that often goes unnoticed. We talk about that a lot on the show as far as seniors or folks, you know, helping their, their elder parents with medical problems. And so it's the same thing here. And you're just a beautiful person. I wish we had more time to to talk about all the things you do. I want to mention, too, for two years, you taught anger management in a county jail and wrote a book full of anger management tools that is now used in jails and prisons in four countries. That's huge. Since 1966, you've been a partner of Apex Ministries, which keeps you on the road as much as 120 days a year. You are just so full of beautiful giving and important messages that I'm just honored and thrilled to have had you here today. And like I say, I know there's more that we could talk about, but as we begin to wrap up, is there anything that we missed that you would want to bring up today?
1: Well, I mean, for me personally, one of the things I, I really love about the tapping protocols is they're, they're so effective in helping us to deal with and manage self-sabotage. Because when we're self-sabotaging ourselves in almost every circumstance, it is a choice about us trying to keep ourselves safe you know, I'm not going to do this thing because I could fail. I'm not going to do this thing because others are going to judge me for doing it. I'm not going to do this thing because I'm going to be successful and it's not going to live up to what I want it to be. And so that's a place that I I just really love tapping with. Um, To that end on the website, I've created this really easy free guide that teaches you how to tap and how to tap so you can take the actions that you want. It's audios, it's videos, it's articles. It comes out, like when you sign up every two or three days, you get a new part so it's not too overwhelming. It just gently walks you through it. um, And it's set up in such a way that if you have questions, you can just ask me directly. I, I love getting emails because, it helps me to create better, more effective resources because when people are asking me questions about the resources, it's showing me the blind spots and how I haven't constructed them as well as they could be constructed. And it's just free and it's just waiting there for you.
0: Excellent. And I mentioned it before, but why don't you give us any contact information for folks where they could purchase books, listen to your, your podcast? yeah.
1: All, all, all the resources are available at com. Tapping, T-A-P-P-I-N-G, and like you said, Q&A is for question and answer. Um, Hit the contact link. It gives you an email form. I get those emails. It doesn't go to a VA. I respond to all of those emails. Like I said, over 750 free resources on the site. If once you go through the basics of tapping, there's a guide that teaches you the, the basics. There's a picture to show you what we talked about today. Just go into the search box type in the topic. You'll be shocked and amazed to find that we've probably already covered it. That's the nice thing of having over 175 interviews on the site is I found issues. I found people who specialize in it full time. So once you know the basics of tapping, they show you how to just cut to the chase and be more successful with that particular area or struggle.
0: Thank you for doing all of this work. The website is very rich in content. So it's tapping Q and a all spelled out, dot com. Tapping Q and a dot com.
1: And, and if you just search EFT Gene or Tapping Gene in Google, you will find me near the top, Gene, G-E-N-E. It's an easy way to find it.
0: Excellent. All right. So I'm going to encourage everyone to listen to the podcast. It's new now on the SpeakUpTalkRadio.com website, SpeakUpTalkRadio.com. But for sure, head over to your website, Gene, tappingq Wow. Thank you so much for enlightening me, and I'm sure everyone else listening today. You've just been such a pleasure, thank you.
1: I really appreciate the opportunity and the invitation.